revival there. That doesn't come unless we really, really pray. And uh, Saturday morning is an opportunity to share with others, uh, to pray for that, and pray for God's kingdom to come. And if you're able to come between 10 and 12 Saturday morning, that will be great to see you. And then uh, a week on Monday is the start of our School of Discipleship. And uh, um, the School of Discipleship is open to everybody. We, Tony, Pastor Tony and myself, we run it fortnightly. So we're starting a week on Monday, 7 o'clock till 9. And we're continuing in looking at leadership, but servant leadership. And it's applicable to everybody. Pastor Tony will be looking at an overview of the Bible, continuing to give us insights into how the Bible came about and what's the contents of the books of the Bible. And we've asked Jeff Bennett as well, who some of you know, he comes and preaches here. He's going to do a series on homiletics, which is uh, preaching, teaching and public speaking and how to put into words and present presentation those things. And that again, that's not just for preachers, that will be applicable to, I would think, most of us in some way or other. So um, if you want to come, on, uh, that's a week on Monday, uh, that would be great to see you at our School of Discipleship. Well, it's the start of the new year, and so we have a, a New Year's text. Each year we choose a text which uh, will be a focus for the year. We, choose, we trust God. It's a word in season for us, God-inspired focus that gives us sort of encouragement through the year, and we return to it throughout the year, and uh, as it brings a challenge as well to us. And I think it's always good to think back to see how the word that God's given us for a year has been fulfilled. It's always good to take stock. And uh, these words we trust are, if you like, prophetic words in the sense we trust that these are the words that God, these are texts or verses that God has to be fulfilled in the year ahead, that he wants to see fulfilled. So before we launch into the New Year's text, I want to think about last year's text. And I won't embarrass you by asking you what it is and try and remember, because I was trying to think, I thought, oh, what was it? And it, it went from my brain, but it did come back. It's Isaiah 43, verse 19. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to read all my verses more or less in NIV, because um, the texts are in the NIV. The Church Bible is the New King James version, so it might be slightly different. So Isaiah 43 Verse 19 said this, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And if you remember, we had a number of prayer aims through the year that tied in with that. And we were praying for these new things that God wanted. So what are some of the new things that happened last year? Was that text fulfilled in some way? Well, various things. I was thinking of the church, particularly right at the beginning of the year. We had the blessing of uh, Ern Ha joining us and entering a partnership with us. That was a new thing for us, something very new. And uh, since then, Ern Ha has given a lot of help in, in uh, building relationships uh, with our friends in uh, Hope House as well, from, mainly from a Muslim background. Uh, but also friendships with uh, 
folks from Syria and Iran and Iraq and uh, great to have our friends here with us today as a result of that, the fruit of that. So that's been a great blessing. And uh, at the beginning of the new year as well, I was thinking we didn't actually have anyone leading full-time our Real Hope work. In fact, it was not clear exactly what we were going to do. But come the summer, by the summer, we'd invited Adam to uh, take on the leadership of that. And since then, he's been giving his time and energies to that ministry, the outreach on Wednesday night, Friday morning, and building relationships. That's been such a blessing as well. That's a new thing that God's brought about. Um, last year, Corinne started the job clubs. That was the first one, wasn't it, in February? And how many have you run? Two, three? Three. Three so far. So, you know, ten, a dozen or more have been through the job clubs. And uh, they're going to continue, uh, God willing, as well, into, the, uh, into, into this year. And then I was thinking about the, the building project. Um, when we entered last year, 2016, actually we, weren't, we didn't have a partnership with anybody uh, because provision had been wound up our previous partners. And so in fe February, we were able to announce that we'd entered a new partnership with John Hardy, and out of that, our architect has now brought about the new plans which have brought down the costs but have included most of what we were anticipating or uh, our needs would be. So that's been a new thing. And praise God for that. And we had a vision day, if you remember, um, and a pledge day and lots of people pledged new things for the building uh, for this coming year, pledged new amounts of money to be given. And then we, in our growth groups, those of you in growth groups have begun or are partway through our frontline studies, and that's going to continue into this year. And already some have been saying, what a blessing those have been, just a, just, just a reminder of that actually God can use me anywhere and wants me to be fruitful anywhere, in my workplace, in my home, wherever. So again, new things. And then there was our youth work. And uh, last year saw, uh, particularly our Friday nights, reshaped. So we had new groups starting with new leaders. And love, wonderful new leaders, mainly most of our young folks, our young adults are leading those. And some of those teenagers who were in those groups last year became Christians, put their trust in Christ. Praise God. So those are some of the new things that happened last year. <coughs> But what about personal lives? I, I, I've met and talked with people and I know that God's been doing new things in your lives as well. And some particularly are experiencing, have experienced new growth in faith and in grace. For some it's not been a particularly easy last 12 months. But our text did say this, that God would make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And some of you have actually been going through a bit of a wasteland and streams of desert, like, or oh, sorry, desert land. And God has been faithful and he's given you streams. He's brought new things through those things. So those are some of the things that came across to me as I've thought about what were the new things that God has done. And uh, they were done in 
I'm no, in, in, in response to our prayers, because we partner with God, but also in response to God's will being fulfilled. So I'm excited as I think about this coming year. Because God has laid on our hearts a verse about bearing fruit. Fruit bearing. And it's the verse on your text, or if you want to look at it in the Bible, John 15 and verse 8. <clears throat> which says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I really do believe we can look forward to a year of fruit bearing, fruitfulness for God's glory. We can look forward to God fulfilling this word that he's laid on our hearts. But we'll need to work with him, we'll need to pray these things in, and we'll need to allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives, to bear fruit. A little bit of the background, this passage in John 15 is in a wider section from chapter 13 to chapter 16. And chapters 13 to 16 of John take place on the eve of the crucifixion. They cover 24 hours in the life of Jesus, probably shorter period of time, but within that 24 hours, the day before Jesus was crucified. So four chapters were given to that 24-hour period, which shows just how important it is to John in his understanding of Christ. Chapter 15 takes us to the evening, the eve, if you like, the Thursday evening, if we follow the Thursday-Friday chronology that the eve of the crucifixion was there spent in the upper room chapter 14 at the end if you look at chapter 14 Jesus said right at the end verse 31 the last phrase he said to his disciples was come now let us leave so they were up in the upper room They'd shared the Passover. Judas had left. And Jesus says, right now, come, let us leave. And so it seems that Jesus, that this teaching of John 15 is given as they are walking. It's likely, it seems to me, that they leave the upper room, they're walking late at night, and then we're going towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus brings this teaching about the vine. And he gives this lovely, and it's a wonderful picture. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's, it's a, an illustration that actually pictures a very profound truth, but in a very simple way. It's the picture of the vine and the branches and the fruit of those branches. So let's just look at verse 1 to start with, just to get the, um, 
work out who is what in, 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 this, um, in this picture. Jesus said, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Okay, so Jesus is the vine, and the vine is the vine. vine the vine isn't just the stem. The vine is everything. So Jesus, I am the vine. My Father is the vi- the, the gardener or the vine dresser, I think the New King James has. He is the tender of the vine. Verse 5 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, speaking to the disciples, you are the branches. So you're the branches. The disciples are the branches. And then he goes on to speak about fruit bearing. Uh, At the end of verse 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. And verse 8, which is our text, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When I was a, a teenager, uh, growing up, my mum and dad, my, my parents bought an old house, really old house, a very large house. And my dad converted it, doing most of the work, I think, if, I'm, if I remember rightly, to make it into quite a large guest house with about, I think, 11 or 12 rooms, like a hotel. At, at the back of the guest house, there was a lot of land and there was a greenhouse, an old ramshackled greenhouse. And in this greenhouse, there was an old ramshackle vine. I mean, it really was an old vine. But it wasn't dead. It still actually bore fruit. It, it, went the, it was a big greenhouse, and it went all the way through the greenhouse. And I, and I remember it. And, and this vine, it, it bore fruit. But it, just thinking about those grapes, they were so sharp. But who else had grapes? Had a vine in their garden, so we ate them, <laughs> even if it killed us. We ate them. Just thinking about it, it sets my teeth on edge. But... This, this vine was characteristic, I think, of most vines. As you looked at it, you, you couldn't see where the, where the main trunk ended and the branches begun. They, they just sort of merged out of each other and into each other. The, you know, the, it was all interlinked. and It wasn't like a tree where you've got a, you know, the trunk and then the branches. That's clear, isn't it? It's just sort of all intertwined. And I think that that's one of the masteries, if you like, of, the, of this picture that Jesus uses. Because it depicts something which is more than a friendship with Jesus. Friendship is wonderful. Friendship with Christ is amazing. In fact, I was looking in chapter 15, verse 14. Jesus said, you are my friends. Wonderful. If you, if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So, I don't want to decry friendship with Jesus. That's, that's, that is wonderful. But that's not what the vine pictures or symbolizes. The vine and the branches. The picture of the vine and the branches as part of it symbolize a deep union with Jesus. It's a picture 
of real fellowship, of oneness with him, of, of communion with him. That's the picture of this all-in-oneness coming into him and grafted in him and of, of the vine and the branches and coming out of him, as it were, merging together. This is, this is the, 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 the miracle of the new birth. This is what makes Christianity distinct from every other religion out there at all. If you are a Christian, Jesus lives within you. And his life flows through you. It's more than just a friendship. It's a sharing of his life in this living union with God. So he lives in me and I live in him. And that's the miracle of the indwelling Christ. That's that is more wonderful than anything else in the whole universe. And that's no exaggeration. This is the most amazing thing that anyone could ever enter, enter into. And just as the branch gets its life from the vine, so the believer gets their life, his or her life, from Jesus. That's what Jesus says. I am the vine. And you are the branches. He said, but I'm the source of your life, of your power, of your energy, of every part of you. I am you. I am your life. And the result of the union with Christ, and this, this wonderful living relationship with him, is that you and I can bear fruit for God's glory. Look at the text again. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Friends, this is why God has called you. This is why God has chosen you and me. It's to bring glory to God by your bearing fruit in your life. That's God's special purpose for you. And, he's, and only you can bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. That, that is a unique thing for you. No one else can do that. And this year is a year for that fruit to increase. Because God's plan for you is to produce more fruit in your life. Look at verse 2. He cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, and we'll look at that in another time, he prunes so that it will be even what? It will bear even more fruit. It will be even more fruitful. And verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So God doesn't just want you to bear fruit, he wants you to bear more fruit. And then he doesn't just want you to bear more fruit, he wants you to bear much fruit in your life. So what is this fruit? I mean, what is it? What, what are we talking about? Bearing fruit? Well, obviously we're not talking about apples and oranges and grapes and stuff like that. John 15 is about spiritual fruit. But I think there are parallels. 
That, you know, there are different types of fruit, aren't there, in the natural world. So there are different types of spiritual fruit. And there are quite a lot of fruit that you wouldn't necessarily think of as fruit. I, I've done a bit of... I've, I've educated myself. And I did remember that tomatoes were fruit. I'd forgotten that cucumbers were fruit as well. And I've learned that pumpkins are fruit. Now, I, I've never had a pumpkin. I've never... I think I've, I have seen a pumpkin, but I've never... Do you eat them? I presume you eat them, don't you? don't just... Yeah, okay. You don't just kick them around or something like that. Did you know... Here's a bit of useless information for you. Sidetrack. Did you know that the pumpkin is the biggest fruit that there is? And the largest pumpkin in the world weighed in at 2,323 pounds, which is 166 stones which is over a ton, if you're in old money. That's 1,056 kilograms, for those of you, this means nothing at all. That is a whopping pumpkin, and that is a hopeless, useless piece of information. Right, let's go on to the next one. So, so there are parallels between spiritual fruit and natural fruit. There are different types of spiritual fruit, and there are some things that we get confused with as to whether they are spiritual fruit at all. Okay? For example, the fruit that Jesus is talking about here isn't the same as being gifted or talented. And, and neither is it the same as having success. You know, some people think that in, in, the, in the Christian world, if somebody see, has, is successful, they're being fruitful. No, it doesn't mean that. Some people think that if someone achieves much or they have popularity, that that's fruitfulness. No, it's not. That's not the same thing. I mean, no way in the Bible is success or popularity equated with, with fruit. One type of fruit, we'll look at it, well-known passage, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23. If you turn to that, Galatians 5. 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now that's good fruit, isn't it? That's not rotten fruit. That's not rank <laughs> fruit. That is really lovely fruit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of Christ-like character. That's, this is some of the fruit that God is looking for in your life and my life, most of all. If you're like me, you sometimes wonder, well, am I really going on with God? What's happening in my life that is of God? Is it really... How can I tell if God's at work? Well, if, if you see evidence there in your life of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and self-control, if you see those evidences, they are, those fruit, they are evidences of the Spirit of God at work in your life. That's, that's the encouraging thing. Sometimes we think that nothing's happening, but actually there's a lot happening as we just live out our lives. That's fruit to God's glory. 
And, and it's not just any old fruit, it's his fruit. It's his love. It's his peace. It's his joy. It's his life coming through us. And then another kind of fruit is the fruit of holiness. Now this is slightly different to the fruit of Christ-likeness in this way. If you turn to Romans chapter 6, 22. I'm going to read in the um, New King James Version here because it translates the word fruit as fruit. Uh, New, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 20, 22. Paul says this, But now, having been set free from sin set free from sin and having become slaves of God he's going to say you're going to work this out now in your life you've been set free from sin that's been dealt with you become slaves of God now how does that work out you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life so this is the fruit of holiness this is, the fruit, this is the fruit of victory over sin in your life. Every time that you stand firm against temptation, that you say no to your self-life, you, you, you give God power to work in your life and, 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 and you resist some temptation, that is fruit. That's the fruit of holiness. Every victory over the power of sin is evidence that you're sharing in the Christ life, in the life of Christ. And then there's the, another kind of fruit, uh, the fruit of our lips, giving praise to God. Hebrews 13, verse 15, beautiful type of fruit. Hebrews 13, verse 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So there's the fruit of the praising life, of our thanking God and giving praise to him. Another kind of fruit that brings glory to God is the fruit of service. Colossians 1 verse 10. Colossians 1 verse 10, where Paul prays this. So that Okay, let me read this. In. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Are you bearing fruit in every good work? We're not saved by good works. We know that we're saved by faith and through grace alone. But we are saved for good works. We are saved so that we actually can serve Christ. And, and don't just get the impression we're talking about in church here. This is talking about your life, my life, wherever God put, puts me. There's no such thing in the Christian life as the sacred and secular. So sacred is in church, you know, it's what we do, and then we get out there and that's secular. Not at all. In the Christian life, we live for Christ wherever we are. So you can bear fruit in your home. You can bear this fruit in your workplace, in your college, in, in, in your, on, the, on the shop floor, wherever you are. So when you are serving God and you're doing it for God's glory, you are bearing fruit. Paul said, whatever you do, whether, it be, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. 
So, so this lifts every part, wherever you are, whatever you're involved with, that is a vocation, that's a calling. That's just as much a calling as me in a pastoral work. God wants you to bear fruit wherever you are in your life. The fruit of service. And then there's the fruit of witnessing. We don't need to turn to this, but Jesus, uh, in fact, um, Simon read from John 4 earlier, where Jesus looked out on the fields and he used that as a picture of the harvest of souls. And he says, you know, don't say there are yet four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes. The fields are right, ready, ripe, ready for harvest. So souls are a harvest, they're fruit. If you love Jesus and I love Jesus, if I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I will share his concern and burden for others to come to Christ. That is the most natural thing. I will want to be used to bring people to Jesus. And you will too, if you're abiding in Christ and you're in him. You long for your friends and your neighbours and your family members to come to Jesus. There'll be a burden that you can't escape. That's the fruit in your life being worked out. And then another, and this is the last one I've got, but I'm, I know there are other types of fruit as well. Another kind of fruit, we don't often think of this, is the fruit of giving, of being generous, being generous with our finances. And we'll perhaps look at this on another time, but in, uh, if you're taking notes, it's Romans 15, 25, 26, and 28. I'll, uh, I will read it though. It says, Now, however... I am on my way to Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking to the Roman Christians. He's saying, I'm on, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia, that's the Christians there, were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And verse 28, So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. One of the uh, lovely characteristics of the early Christians was their joyful giving. That will characterize every true disciple of Jesus. That a, a real disciple who is in Christ will love to give financially and other parts of their life as well because Jesus was generous. He was a giver in every part. So some of the uh, different types of fruit, there's uh, the fruit of answered prayer as well. That's another fruit. There are other types of fruit as well. These are some of the fruit that God wants you to bear and me to bear in our lives. Christ-like character, holiness of life, praise and thanksgiving, service and good works, witnessing, seeing people saved, and the fruit of giving. And friends, God's glorified when we do this when we bring our fruit, when we bear fruit like that. Do you know what the secret is of bearing fruit? Jesus speaks about it, doesn't he? John 15. He says, abide in me. John 15, 
verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. This is the, I'm sorry, I'll read it in the New King James because it mentions the word abide. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Abide slightly has more connotation than, than remain. But it, we'll, we'll go into this in, in more detail later. But it really is talking about resting in Christ, drawing on Jesus relying on him and fellowshipping with him. All of those things together. Do you want to bear more fruit in your life? I do. I want to bring more glory to God. <laughs> I want this year to be a God of, in which God is glorified more so than last year. Well, it's not by trying harder and it's not by making more effort and stirring ourselves up like that. It's by our abiding in Christ, relying on him, resting in him, drawing upon his strength, yielding to him, surrendering to him, feeding on his word, praying. That's all part of this abiding in Christ. Jesus said, for without me, you can do something. No, <laughs> you can do a little bit. No, you can do nothing. We can't bear any fruit that glorifies God without Christ's life. You know, self-sufficiency is the greatest enemy of Christ-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. And we're really good at self-sufficiency, aren't we? We really do. We, 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 that's our, perhaps our natural fault. Um, what's it called? Uh, default position we, we go back to this and we, we do it in our own strength or we sort of live independently of God and we sort of keep him out of our lives in some way well that's not the way to fret bear fruit the only way is to be totally Christ sufficient in our lives so we need to put self on the cross Christ needs if, if, if self is on the cross then Christ can be on the throne of our lives. We need to express to God our willingness to do that. You know, we so easily live independently, independent lives. So, just to bring this uh, together, do you see how important it is to bear fruit? If we're going to bring glory to God. Do you see how important it is to abide in Christ? if we're to bear fruit. That we rest in his strength and draw on his resources. We need to deal, friends, with whatever God, whatever would stop God helping us to bear that fruit. We need to be honest with ourselves, we need to be honest with God, and we need to allow him to do those things in our lives that would hinder that fruit bearing. God wants you to bear fruit for his glory. So what I want to say is this. Don't be satisfied with what you have experienced so far. Don't be content with that 
better way, a, a casual acquaintance with Jesus. It's, that, that's just friendship. There's got to be a deeper abiding in Christ. There's much more to it than that. God wants this year to be a year when you bear much fruit for his glory. And friends, the year starts now. It starts now. It's, it can't be next week, next year, next month, next year. It starts now. It starts today. So I want to encourage you as I speak to myself as well. Let's start the year off as we intend to finish it by abiding in Christ, by really letting Christ be at the centre of our lives and by experiencing more of his abiding in Christ's life. And it may be that you're here this morning and actually you don't know what I'm talking about when it talks about being in Christ. It's something which is maybe a perplexing to you. Maybe you've never heard that before. Or maybe you just know that you're actually not in that vine because you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never really experienced the inflow of God's life into your life. Well, if so, I, I would encourage you this morning. Tell Jesus that you believe in him. Tell him you believe that he died for your sin on that cross. And cry out to God for mercy. Just in your heart, cry out to him. Ask him to be your saviour. Ask him to really deal with your sin and say you're putting your trust in Jesus for that. And that's the start. It might, it's not just the start of a new year for you. It'll be the start of a new relationship with Christ. And if you're a Christian, well, you determine by God's grace. Make this a, year, a week, a year, a month, and then a year of bearing fruit for God's glory. Let's pray. just uh, take a moment and uh, let's think about these what God's been saying and uh, just encourage you perhaps in this quietness to ask God for yourself that this would be a year when you would bear all the fruit in your life that God wants you to bear fruit of the spirit filled life the fruit of holiness fruit of praise fruit of souls being saved the fruit of generosity and that God would be most glorified in you let him know that you want to abide in his son and to grow in your abiding in this year and if you don't know the Lord take this time to cry out to him and ask for your forgiveness and the start of a new relationship with Christ. Well, thank you that you know our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us to walk with you. We thank you for the times when uh, there are great uh, experiences that we have. But we know, Lord, the Christian life isn't made up of mountaintop experiences like that 
much, Lord, we know of our Christian life is a, it, it, almost like a daily routine and it's getting on with life. But in, the, in that, Lord, we're called, you call us to remain faithful, to bear fruit in our ongoing day-by-day situations, in the home, with the children, with the grandchildren, with our friends and neighbours, in our workplaces. Lord, would you help us, we pray, to learn the secret of abiding in Christ. Would you help us, Lord, we pray, to deal with anything that would hinder that walk with him. Would you help us, we pray, to deal with any sin and confess, any shortfall, or allowing anything into our lives that would distract or that has robbed us of our closeness with you. And Lord, I pray for each one here this morning that this would be a a year of fruit-bearing, not just fruit, but more fruit, and much fruit for your glory. May this be a a time when our church bears fruit. We see people saved and growing in in their walk with him. Fulfill this word that you've laid on our hearts and may it be part of our consciousness as we go through the day that we want to abide in Christ and bear much fruit. So, Lord, hear our prayer. For we pray these things in Jesus' name.